630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. It is 7.06 on the Friday night of a long weekend, and we just had one of the founding members of the rock band Kiss on the show. That was terrific. Thanks, Morley. That was a great interview. Really enjoyed that. Gene Simmons uh, checking in tonight. Now, I, uh, and we're going to tee up the Eskimos uh, Labor Day game, obviously, in, in Calgary. I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, as you know, Morley, uh, we, we do non, not everybody we interview on the show is a sports broadcaster, an athlete, a coach, or a general manager. I mean, I've had local actor Eric Johnson on the show, but he's an Oilers fan, so you often wind up talking about hockey. I mean, we've had Jonathan Torrance on the show. Uh, it's fun doing other stuff like that. Now, Gene Simmons said, according to him, now he's biased, but he said, Kiss are the most recognizable faces on the planet. I love the line about Sweden. Which would make Gene Simmons possibly, and now no disrespect to the Wayne Gretzky's and Warren Moons of the world, but globally, that may have been the most famous person I've ever interviewed. I would, I would say you are correct. I would say you are correct. If, um, if Wayne Gretzky went to uh, you know, do, what, do what he does best in a place like that, he wouldn't sell out as many tickets as uh, Gene Simmons would, I wouldn't think. You know? And that's, I would say no knock on Wayne Gretzky. And I, I loved he was what pretty he, good. I love what, what Gene said when I asked him, why are some of these bands still around? or And still, not just around, but Gene popular. Gene Simmons sang Men Without Hats to you. Yeah, he sang Men Without Hats. It kind of made fun of them, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And then he sang a little Charlie Chapman and some Beatles. I actually yeah. didn't sing a Kiss song. Uh, but, but he said, look, we had to... And, and, you know, in sports, you talk a lot about commitment, dedication, belief, you know, practice. And... What did he say? He said we had to. We decided. All right, we got to stand out. So we're going to wear more makeup and have higher heels than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Gene, even your mum would. And Gene man. especially. And I, I did. I, I, I watched. I, I might have seen a couple episodes of Family Jewels. I watched it a lot. Yeah. And I, you I, said that. Well, because well, I, I said I wasn't sure what to expect. Was he going to be loud and bombastic, or was he going to be thoughtful and measured and subtle? He, he was exactly what I expected him to be. From what, not from watching him on stage with Kiss, but from watching him on the television show when he's got no makeup on and he's with his wife and he's with his kids. Uh, he, that was exactly the way I thought he would be. No different. He, I always admired him. He's a cool guy. Like I mean, he's a guy who knows how to make a buck. Yep. I mean, you you can buy everything with Kiss on it, right? It's amazing the stuff that they sell. And and in in Family Jewels, the 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 show about his life, he has an office, and in the office there's displayed everything that everything. they've ever sold, and yeah. it's it's incredible. They're, they're, they've, the way they marketed themselves and <clears throat> yeah. continue to do it. He said yeah. they've had the comic for forty years. Yeah. And I love the story about how he got into comics. He was born in Israel, comes to the United States. He t- reads comics, turns on TV shows with comic book heroes. And you know he's kind of like, well, that's that's pretty cool. I always feel bad for Ace Freely and Peter Chris, though. <laughs> well, you know, but even but even Simmons, 
you know, he, because, you know, you read the stories, you go to Gene Simmons' house, Rolling Stone did a feature a few years ago, and everything in, in Simmons' house is kiss, 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 and you go to Paul Stanley's house, and you'd be like, I wonder what this guy does for a living, right? Yeah. Like, it's a total contrast. Yeah, they're, they're out there a little different personalities, but they're both, like, they own Kiss, those two guys. It's, I mean, yeah, those Gene guys. Simmons, more, probably more, so I don't know if it's 50-50 or what it is, but uh, those, like, you could put anybody in the Spaceman's makeup and let them play drums. Those two guys are the guys who make Kiss go. Yeah. I, I remember talking to Dexter McCoyle, who who was who tried out for the, uh, the L.A. Kiss on the Arena League. And he said that just before he got released, strangely, he got released, uh, that the whole team went to uh, Gene Simmons' house for dinner. So that was pretty cool. Darcy, the vac truck driver, who's a very uh, entertaining texture. Look at it this way. Gene Simmons slept with twice the amount of women than Gretzky scored points. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, you actually, Morley, you and Gene Simmons have something in common because once you got married, you had to stop sleeping with your groupies. Yeah, that is very true. That's that is very true. I actually made you blush a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just... I'm getting racy. It's yeah. a Friday night of a long Come weekend. On. That's true. I'm it out of Friday control. Night. Yeah. I'm out of control. You are. You're out so of control. Are. Thank God I'm off work in 50 minutes. Yeah? I'm not off work for another two weeks. You're going to Calgary yeah. tomorrow. They love it when you call it that, by Calgary? the way. Calgary? Yeah, Calgary yes. tomorrow. Yes, I always wonder if Are you going Tavish tomorrow or Sunday? Going I'm tomorrow. going to, We're going to go tomorrow. We're going, going tomorrow. tomorrow. After tomorrow after practice, practice right? Okay. Then head over early in the morning to Stampeder's practice. And uh, talk to them on Sunday morning and get the lowdown of what's going on in Cowtown. All right, who's who's healthy for the Eskimos? <sighs> We're gonna have a. This could short. be the best roster it's we've dressed sh- in a while. Yeah, it could be. They're gonna add uh, Darius Bowman, which is it's always good. good. They're gonna add Adam Konar, which I think is gonna be uh, a bigger add, more so because there has just been so many injuries on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not saying Adam Konar is more important to the team than a Darius Bowman, but they need a guy like Adam Konar more. I mean, it's incredible when you think about it. That offense has been playing pretty well, putting up some pretty big numbers without first Darrell Walker from day one and and then without a Darius Bowen for six games. They still put up some pretty good numbers. I mean, they had some guys really step up at the receiver spot, starting with, with Duke Williams right through training camp and into the regular season. And uh, Bryant Mitchell's been so patiently waiting for a chance to play. He got it, and he made the most of it as well. So uh, defensively, though, Adam Conar, I think, will be a big add. If, if indeed he does step back. It looks like he's going to step back in at the Will linebacker spot. Well, that would help, and that's been a pretty beat-up position, oh. obviously. I mean, I, the linebacker in general, but that specific spot out mm-hmm. of the 12, right? Well, I mean, they're only I mean they're on their third middle linebacker, and they're on their, what, fourth? Fourth Will linebacker? Well, fifth, if you include Corey Greenwood, who never played against fourth starting Will linebacker. Jeez, right? that's incredible. And Greenwood was supposed to be the... Yeah, Greenwood was supposed to start, and then uh, he got hurt in day two, and then in game three, I think it was, Konar went down. Then in game four, Blair Smith went down. He was back practicing too, so he's getting closer. And then in uh, then uh, uh, Malumba Chimanga played it for a while, but then they put in Terrence Bullitt, and he mm-hmm. got hurt last week. They flipped the ratio back to America. Where's Corey Jones in all this? Uh, he's middle linebacker. Oh, he's middle. Yeah, Sorry, he, okay. he was he was in for J.C. Sherritt, and now Alex Ofmanelis is in for Jones, who's on the six game okay. so <clears throat> all right so it's, I guess, so it's horrible it's like it's it's just incredible it's, it's actually ending. I mean sometimes we joke that it's hard to yeah. keep track but this year I was talking it, to, it actually is hard to keep track I was talking to Brock Sunderland today and we were just talking about just how no one's ever seen this and I said it, you know at first it was kind of funny but now it's just terrible he goes well we never really were laughing at first but it wasn't that funny but I mean just the the number and the, and then it's like 
one guy after another guy at the same position, three running backs have started. They've had, you know, three or four receivers miss games. O-linemen have had to go with three American O-linemen for a couple of games. It's been just an incredible run. And when it's all said and done, it's going to be interesting to see the numbers of, of games lost to injury. Somebody asked, texted in yesterday and said, how are the Stampeders injury-wise? I, I quickly looked at some of the reports. I mean, they, the, to me, uh, the two receivers st- stuck out, Jordan and Durant. Yep. Right? And uh, Charleston Hughes. You know, he missed the last side. game, yeah. right? But is he, on, is he probably out again? I will, we'll, find we'll find out. out He's out on the one-game injured list. I, I haven't uh, done much uh, looking into their practices yet this week, uh, if he's been back or not. But, okay. uh, yeah, he was on the one game, so he's a chance to come back. He's a guy who always plays well against the Eskimos, too. All right. So the uh, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles released defensive back Aaron Grimes, which they also did last year. Yep. And then, and here's the thing we got to remember for people: the option contract is long gone in the CFL, so he can't just <clears throat> players don't just come back. They don't automatically revert and, to being Eskimos. And, and Brock explained it well on this show the other night, and I think uh, he was on with Bob earlier today too. You know, the guys now they don't just come back to the CFL because teams will say, well. We're gonna cut you, but we we want you to stay in town. Or, or you're our next call. Or, or another team might say, and yeah, and you. Or you the might, agent says, "Hold on, I'm gonna talk to San yeah, Diego." Or yeah. San Diego is not in the league to the <laughs> to the yeah. Chargers. Right? I'd rather go to Regina than San Diego because they don't have a football team. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The guys want to explore that NFL option as long as they possibly can because. You know, that's the dream, right? They're chasing that dream. You know, most of the guys, you know, are Americans who go down there. And that's, they didn't grow up dreaming of playing in the CFL. They they don't realize how good the CFL is until they get here and get ensconced here mm-hmm. and, and realize how, how, well, and the money's how competitive. Too, and right? the money is, abs- I think you get more in, most guys who make more in the practice roster in the NFL than they would on the, on the, on the main roster in the in the Canadian football yeah. league, so, so you gotta, they got to be realistic about it. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely for sure. Um, so yeah, they got they waited out. Uh, that's there's a, there's a few guys who are out there floating around. You always keep your eye on Austin Pastor. Didn't have a job for the longest time, right? He's still Eskimo property, by the way, right? And he's he's from the Ricky Ray trade. That's right. Go way back to the Ricky Ray trade, uh, but he's signed. I think I can't remember. Well, who he signed. played for Jackson. Yeah, for he a played. He seasons, played. Right? Yeah, and then he was floating around, and then and. And nobody signed. Nobody had him at camp. And then oh, I think he just got signed a couple of weeks ago. What about who's that D lineman? Stephen Charles. Stephen Charles. Yeah, he's he was Buffalo. Buffalo, and then Detroit. I think. Okay. So I'm not sure where he is either. So, so. you take chance. But he as well is Eskimo property until the end of time, till they either sign him or he retires or trade, or trade him. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, I, I, again, I think the point here is for people, don't expect an influx of three guys who were cut for more who were... Yeah, actually, I did talk to Brock about that today, and I was kind of asking, like, what's the process? What happens now? And he just says, you know, we watch the wire. We find out the guys that we have on our neg list who have right. been released, and we find out guys who are interested in and we've got on our board that have been released, and then we'll slowly reach out to them. Nothing happens right away. And think about it. When was the last time, right across the league, when was the last time a guy got cut in the NFL and the last cut down or late in camp and then came back to the CFL and made an impact down the stretch? It's hard. I, I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think about when Fantuz came back. Maybe no, he got hurt. Did that kick returner for the Logan, or did he come yeah, back the following year? Yeah, I'm not sure. But even the I fact think he that came we, back the following yeah, year, even the uh, fact that we're thinking about it, you know, like I I can't. I'm pretty sure there's somebody because I remember having a discussion about somebody a couple of years ago and saying that's the first guy I remember ever coming back. I mean, in my time covering the Eskimos, I think there's been two players 
who have been in the NFL and come back mid-season, signed with the team, and neither one of them made an impact. One was Mark Rostelli, remember him, the linebacker? Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, the other one was Jerome Messam, who came back and just couldn't get any traction. That's the year they had the three-headed monster, right, at right. running back. Corey Boyd was here then, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, And Hugh Charles. And he just couldn't get any traction. He was injured a little bit and ended up getting traded in the offseason. It's very rare that a guy can come back in September and make an impact in September, October, and November going forward. Uh, Morley, before I let you go back to work here, just the give me a sense of the the attitude at practice. I mean, is it oh. an irritated group? Is it a yeah? You know? Well, Darius Bowman told me today. He said, "I like the face that Mike Riley has on right now." Because he said he's been very businesslike in practice. Mike didn't play very well last week, right? We mm-hmm. all know that. And Mike's and and Darius said he stood up in front of the team and, and you know he said mea culpa. Yeah, I didn't play very well, and I, it's my job to play well and for you guys to follow me. So he's he's been, from what I understand, very businesslike this week. Very serious, very businesslike, and is ready to to get back. Uh, as for the Labor Day Classic, you know. It's been so tough. I mean, five straight losses, seven of the last eight. It's still an emotional game, though. It's still a huge game, and everybody still gets jacked for it, even though they haven't had much success lately. Uh, It's uh, Duke Williams said they showed a video today. I asked him, I said, what do you know about Labor Day? He says, I know lots, because they showed a video to us this morning, and it got me excited. So they're Good. they're teaching the guys about the tradition right now of Labor Day and how important it is and how tough it's going to be and what kind of atmosphere you're going to see down there. Did you ask Duke about Auburn, Alabama? Uh, yeah, I did, actually. Oh, good. I did. Is that yeah. going to be on the pregame yeah. show? Uh, yes, it will be. Oh, that'll it be will great. be on the yeah. pregame show. He talks about Auburn, Alabama. I talked. I, it's funny, I talked the week before, you know, looking ahead to this with Arjun Colhoun about oh, Michigan, Michigan Michigan State, State right? Yeah. And and he said now he was Michigan State, right? Yep. Yeah. And he said they played Michigan at the big house and won late in the game and he said we were jumping up into the stands and yelling at their fans <laughs> and it was great and and he just said they just he said I, I as soon as I asked him about a, a college rivalry he said I'll tell you right now I don't like Michigan State. Or I don't like Michigan. I just don't like them. And that was before we even started talking about it. That came out. So uh they that's what they equated to to all the new people. Take your biggest college rivalry that you've ever had, and this is it. You're jumping right into it. Hannah texts again saying, Drums, Ace played the guitar. Love the interview. Rock on. There you go, Morley. I I made a mistake. You don't know your KISS lineup. I do not. Thank God. I knew knew one of them played the drums. It was 50-50. One of them sang, uh, I think Peter Chris sang Beth too, right? Oh. Which is one of their biggest Classic. Classic track. But they don't play that anymore. I I heard Gene Simmons hates that song. Mostly oh, probably because he doesn't sing it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and they can't sing it now in concert because they don't have the, the voice. Morley, thanks for stopping by, buddy. Have a My great pleasure, call sir. on Monday. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend, man. 11.30 Monday morning. Countdown to kickoff. 1 o'clock for the game. Esks at Stamps. We'll keep going. The rivalry theme. Darcy Park from the Wildcats next. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Well, we've had a good week here at Inside Sports. Gene Simmons from KISS tonight. We had Alex Hoffman-Ellis from your Eskimos on earlier this week. Rob Maver from the Stampeders. They were both a lot of fun. Adam Scorgi was in studio talking about that Ice Guardians benefit screening for uh, some, the Dave Semenko family. That's going to be September 12th. We had Ian McLean from the Edmonton Huskies on the show last night, and now we have Edmonton Wildcats head coach Darcy Park jumping on. Darcy, you're on with Reed. Thanks for making time for me. How are you doing? 
I'm great, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I know you guys got the big game against the Huskies coming up on Sunday. We've been talking a lot about rivalries uh, this week. What's the best or most heated rivalry that you've been a part of at any point in your athletic life? Well, it's it's pretty funny because uh, we were just actually talking about that this week. Obviously, we have uh, Christoph Corner, coaching staff, who played for U of C, and and uh, he he had played with us in the in the Husky dog rivalry, and and we think this is uh, one of the top ones that any kid in the area can be involved with. It's uh, you know it's like a playoff atmosphere, and and like we told our kids that you know everyone on that team. Sometimes you were teammates maybe uh, years prior, and and now you get a face against them. So. Uh, it's been, uh, you know, I think this is one of the top ones. Obviously, when I was playing at U of A, that, the U of A UFC one was a pretty big one. I, I mean, ever since I've been doing the show, you and Ian have been the head coaches, but I assume you got to go to league meetings and, and stuff like that and also work together for amateur football in Edmonton. So do the coaches have a rivalry, or do you just keep it for the three hours during the game, or what's that relationship like? No, I, you know what, I think Ian and I have, have, a, have, a, have a decent relationship. Uh, you know, we both respect the job that a junior coach has to do in this city uh we both kind of are uh, live through it but uh you know we're recruiting the same athletes and uh so there is a little bit of a rivalry in there and and uh, obviously um you know when when they're doing well we need to you know pit ramp it up on our end to, to catch up and, and same thing when we were doing well uh we were kind of the target to make sure that's kind of the first the first stepping stone to turning your program around is to beat your crosstown rivals all right, you'll be trying to do that on Sunday afternoon. Now, they're 3-0. and You guys have come out 0-3, uh, obviously not where you want to be, but give me a sense of how the team has has played and what's kept you out of the win column so far. Well, this is going to sound uh, silly, but uh, you know what? I'm I'm super happy with the way that, uh, you know, everything has gone. You know, obviously we would have liked to have some wins. I think in two of the three games, uh, we probably deserved a win, but deserve really has nothing to do with it, but... We have new coordinators on both sides of the ball and the new special team coordinator and the new coaches. And, you know, I think uh, we're excited again. The players have bought in. Uh, our biggest problem right now is that, uh, you know, we took 25 penalties against Winnipeg. Oh. And, uh, you know, we talked to our guys. It's not only you know, the, the, the penalty yards, but you take away a, a 35, 40-yard punt return, you know, and you add another 10 yards to that. That's 50 yards in the position we lost. So, again, we want our guys to be aggressive. And we're just trying to teach them uh, time and place. That is stunning. Like, that's every third play you're taking a penalty. Yeah, it felt like that. <laughs> Jeez, okay. Uh, well, hopefully hopefully you deal with that. Uh, look, give me, a, give me a sense of maybe a couple guys who have stood out for you or led the way so far this season that uh, fans might want to keep an eye on on Sunday. Well, uh, it starts with we uh, have a defensive tackle named Evan Cotchesarly who missed the Regina game, and it was pretty evident in the score. Uh, he solidifies our, our, our D line and, and you don't, you wouldn't think one guy makes that much of a difference, but, uh, he, he has. We have a, a rookie linebacker in, uh, Cole Milford who, uh, you know, has been outstanding as a, as a first year kid playing that, that tough spot. And then also Jaden Dalkey and, and Tony Savchuk in the back end. Again, they're as good as anyone in our league. Our defense is, is starting to all get on the same page. It's exciting again on offense. You know, we've got two quarterbacks still kind of battling out to solidify. We got Justin Swedish, who who had a really good game in his first ever start in the PFC last year. Uh, you know, and and a good receiving core. And again, uh, we have two young running backs we were planning on counting on, but uh, in their in the second game of the year, they both went out with ankle injuries. So we're lucky to have a fifth year guy in Bray Josu, who you know is has the ability to make big plays in our league. 
Darcy, I hope it's a great game. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pick sides. I'll b- wish both of you equal luck because it's two Edmonton teams uh, going at it. So one o'clock uh, at Clark Sunday afternoon. Always a beauty when the Huskies and Wildcats play. Thanks for fitting me in. I know you're getting ready for the game. I, I appreciate it again. Thanks for your support. That is Darcy Park checking in tonight. Head coach of the Edmonton Wildcats. Toronto and Baltimore are scoreless in the seventh inning. We'll keep you updated. We'll also tell you how the Golden Bears are doing in their football opener. All ahead, Inside Sports on Jet. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos. And you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Adarius Bowman back in action on Monday for the green and gold. He's missed the last six. Luke texting into 630-630. He says the Eskimos will win 27-24 in overtime on Labor Day, and they will suffer no injuries. That sounds great. Gary says, can you tell us why the Labor Day Classic uh, is uh, always in Calgary? Not in Edmonton. Why can't they alternate from year to year? Well, I, honestly, I think it's just tradition. It's a game that's in Calgary. You, you know it's going to be there. And it's... I, I hate to give the answer that's just the way it is, but that is just the way it is. The last time it was in Edmonton was in 1981. And I think they've just always left it as a uh, as a fixture on the schedule. And now we have the rematch, rematch game in Edmonton. And that's uh, our tradition for a game in Calgary. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't mind that it's always in the same spot. You know, you know, it's going to be an away game on that day. I, I don't know if the, personally, I don't think there is a reason to alternate it. But I, I, I know some fans would like it in Edmonton. What are you going to do? Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is the phone number. You can text six thirty six thirty. Man, we've had fun tonight. Gene Simmons from Kiss was on the show. Former Eskimo Randy Spencer was in studio. We're teeing up the uh, Huskies and Wildcats game. Sunday afternoon, and we can talk about all those topics and more with our next guest. It is J.R. LaRose, former Eskimo, former BC Lion, former Husky, former Strathcona Lord. Did I hit it all there, J.R.? Yeah, you got it all right. And Edmonton Charger, but that's okay. You got, oh, you got I, the most of the rest of them correct. <laughs> I, I didn't go back. Uh, what, that was Bantam football, Edmonton Chargers? Hey, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that was Bantam, yep. Uh, you know, JR, thanks again for coming on, and we're going to talk about a lot here. You're always great to have on the show. Uh, now, take me back, because you won, uh, was it back-to-back provincial championships with Strathcona, or were you just on one of the teams? Oh, no, I was uh, back-to-back. back-to-back you were on champions. You yeah. were on both, and now who was the who was your city or northern Alberta rival back then? Uh, it was Parkland. Parkland oh. was our rival. And did you hate them? <laughs> oh, couldn't stand them. Couldn't stand them. Those father, a bunch of farm boys, just big boys. <laughs> oh, that's classic. That is classic. Uh, so you still remember that? Because I've been talking a lot about rivalries this week, and when like, when you have that rivalry, uh, like you you would have had Huskies and and, uh, and Wildcats for sure. And then you got into the CFL. I mean, it, it stays with you, right? I mean, you might get to know some of the guys you played against. But there's always kind of like that underlying, like, I don't know if I can ever really accept you as a friend, right? Oh, oh, exactly. It was funny. It was just um, the biggest one was probably, I mean, aside from the Eskimos and Stampeders, was the Edmonton Huskies versus Wildcat rivalry, the junior football. And even to this day, you know, I'm still friends with a lot of guys that played for the Wildcats. But when it comes to talking about football, it was like, you know, the Huskies were the team back then. You know, we, we, we make it very clear, let it be known 
<laughs> that we were, you know, back-to-back national champions. And, uh, you know, we were the, the true team that represented Edmonton at that time. <laughs> yeah, but it was 04 and 05, I want to say. Uh, was that the right years with the Huskies, or was it 03 and 04? No, 04 and 05. Okay, awesome. Uh, and then you joined the Eskimos in 06? Yeah, I, I came in 05, was practice roster with the Eskimos in 05, and then um, after that, halfway through the season, got released back down to junior football, finished the year there, and then 2006, I was a full, full-time full um, play with the Eskimos. All right, and I should say we're all speaking of rivalries. Calgary and Alberta are playing in football tonight, and Ed Ilnicki. Do you know? Do you know Ed? By the way, he's a he's a great guy to have on the show too. Uh, running oh, back sorry? Ed Ilnicki, the running back for the Golden Bears. Uh, no, 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 I don't. Good player. Uh, he was drafted by Ottawa. He got, was a late cut from their camp. He just got a touchdown. So it's eight six. The Dinos leading the Golden Bears in the Canada West football uh, opener. We got great matchups all over the board. Uh, Jr., uh, you know what? Once you got to be an Eskimo, what do you remember about taking part in the Labor Day Classic? Man, I mean that was the game. If you're injured, I remember that's the game you tried to get off injury because that there's nothing like the Battle of Alberta. I mean, you hear it in hockey with the Edmonton Oilers and the Flames, uh, with the Eskimos and the Stampeders, it's it's bragging rights, and it's probably one of the most um, intense games. Like it's there's the regular season games, there's playoff games, and then there's the rivalry games, and that's what that is. I mean, it's just it takes the game up to a whole another whole another level, and just the the build up leading up to it is um, it's something that's just really special. I was I was very glad that I was able to play you know, in four of those, four years of, of, of those rivalry games. What's it like trying to manage your emotion in that game? Because I know athletes will always tell me that emotion is important, but they also don't want to let it get the best of them and become a distraction or even a waste of energy. Did you have to deal with stuff like that? We definitely did. I mean, we played against a pretty good receiving core um, back in the day with the Stampeders, and the biggest guy was Nick Lewis. And he was one of the biggest trash talkers. And so he, I remember him calling out everyone in our secondary. And it was one of those games where it's like if you got a chance to try and kind of tee off on him, you, you wanted to take that chance, but you also didn't want to hurt your team. But you also have to watch out for Nick, too, because he's, he's well-known for, for coming in and cracking back, you know, ear-holding players. Um, but it, it definitely, it, it's, it's tough to keep emotions in check in a, in, in a game like that, for sure. Uh- well, I think, was it not Kelly Wiltshire that uh, Lewis ended his career? I don't know if you were playing then, but... Uh, you know what happened? Is I, was, I was starting that year. I had got hurt about two plays before. Kelly Wiltshire went in, and then boom. Nick, Nick ended his career. Yeah, so I remember that. I was there. And that was <laughs> one of those... Could have been me. And that was one of those blocks, right? Yeah, he came back, and it was one of those things, you know, he didn't have to do it the way he did it, but um, football is a violent game. You know, it's we don't go up there intentionally trying to hurt people, but, you know, Kelly just got the, was on the bad end of, uh, you know, one of those crackbacks. J.R. LaRose joining us on Inside Sports, former uh, Edmonton Eskimo. Check it in tonight. Uh, all right, so I know you're out on the West Coast, but you're coming to town. Tell us a little bit of what's going on with the Huskies uh, football gala. This must be a pretty exciting night for you coming up. You know, I'm super pumped. I'm super pumped. Um, I got a phone call from Rick Walters, um, I believe maybe about three weeks or a month ago, letting me know that they were going to do a, um, a Hall of Fame um, induct- inductee, and I was one of them. 
and uh, it was pretty special. I was coming already already to do a, a fireside chat and talking about kind of the um, the gender-based violence prevention that I've been a part of with the Edmonton Huskies um, and uh, Colleen. But uh, when I got the phone call, I was like, that's really cool, you know, to be to be a Hall of Famer for the team that I played junior football with, you know, where it kind of really all started for me. Um, it's something that, that's so special. And to know that, you know, to be voted in the first time, I got to be honest. When I played there, you know, I was, I was a cocky little, you know, just wasn't a very pleasant individual. <laughs> but for them to see the change, I had to choose my words very carefully because <laughs> I know we're live. Yeah, that's so, okay. <laughs> so where, okay, let me ask you this, Jer. Where, where did that cockiness uh, come from and who or what kind of worked it out of you and calmed you down? You know, I think... I think being at playing uh, when you're a defensive back, you have a level of a certain level of confidence. And for me, is I would just wanted to. I, I played pissed off, and um, I just wanted I wanted to be the best. And I took it personal if someone were to catch a ball on me. So for me, it was I wanted to let the other person know, you know, that he wasn't going to catch anything. Yeah, I remember I used to call guys. I told them if, if I was covering you, you're going to end up being a, a blocking dummy, basically, because they weren't going to catch anything. All you could do is just block me. And, um, you know, it's, and I look back at it now, I think maybe it was a little excessive at times, but I think if you ask any, any athlete, you know, it's certain things get them going. And for me, it's always been talking trash that's really got me in the game. Okay, so then you became a Husky, and was it like older guys on the team that said you can't, you can't do that or you need to pick your spots? Was it a coach, or did you just maybe have a humbling experience or two? You know what, the guys, <laughs> I remember it rubbed a few of the coaches the wrong way, and I think it actually affected, I didn't get any um, All-Canadian awards because it was voted on, you know, other teams' coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, a, a few people told me to, um, you know, to calm it down, but at that, at that time, you know, you really couldn't tell me anything. It was, that's how I was going to play my game, and, and that was kind of that. J.R. LaRose joining us at Inside Sports. Well, I mean, that's an interesting transformation you, you, you kind of went through and, uh, you know, how you learned and maybe learned that you had to learn might, might be a, yeah. a good way to put it. Uh, I, I know we've had you on the show and talked about this before, but I, I think it's worth mentioning in and reminding people because it's really important. Tell us about the gender-based violence prevention program you're a part of, uh, you know, just sort of the nuts and bolts, who you're working with and how you try to reach out to people. Yeah, well, it started off, I worked with any uh, Violence Association of BC, and then I partnered with uh, Colleen um, and, and her organization out of, um, out of the U of A. And it's just all about having, getting men, you know, to stand, to take a stand with women and to speak up, you know, when they see, um, you know, violence against women. And there's more than just the physical, you know, there's the verbal abuse. And, and as athletes, we're seen as, you know, these macho men, but we can make such a huge, huge difference. And there's that stigma um, around athletes where it's like, oh, they're, they're just seen as womanizers. Um, and that uh, we have such a powerful voice and platform where we can really make a change um, in society, and especially with so many other young boys looking up to us as athletes. Well, well said. I know you're doing great work. All right, uh, quickly here before I let you go. Eskimos, uh, injury-riddled season, uh, but some pretty positive stories. Uh, Riley, except for the last game, I think has been excellent. Uh, I know you're a busy guy, but just give me your impressions uh, on the team and and what they have to do on Monday to pull it out against the Stamps. You know, at the end of the day, you just find a way to win. 
and uh, we've always had the saying, next man up. And that's exactly what the Eskimos have done. I mean, they got a great coach in Jason Moss and, a, and a, an amazing leader in Mike Riley. Um, you know, just <laughs> next man up, that's it. Just continue to push forward. And uh, I think, honestly, I think Edmonton is the team to beat. Really? You think they're the best team? I think by far they're the best team. And look, look what they've done, and they have had so many injuries already. You know, and they've been able to overcome those obstacles. To, to They're number one in the West. I believe they're still number one in the West. Well, they're or technically third. They're, ju- they're third by a point because uh, B- okay. Winnipeg has the tiebreaker, yeah. Yeah, but I still think I still think they're the team to be, hands down. All right. Well, people will love hearing that. JR, it's great to have you on the show. You're doing great work. Thanks for some memories from your career. I hope I can see you when you're in town next week, man. Oh, awesome. Thanks. We'll make it happen. Right on. That is J.R. LaRose checking in. And, yeah, he's going to go into the Edmonton Huskies Hall of Fame, their gala dinner, coming up on September 12th. He's, uh, well, I mean, he's talked about his journey before. I don't know, a couple people have texted in, and uh, he does great work with the Gender Violence Prevention Program and very open about his transformation, as he put it, to a very uh, very cocky guy, to a guy maybe with a little more balance and a little more humility. Great stuff. We're going to hear from Kelly Talbot. She's uh, the wife of Oilers goaltender Cam Talbot. She's doing some incredible work to help people affected by the hurricane in Houston. You will also meet the young man who won stage one of the Tour of Alberta today. That's all still ahead. Inside Sports on Chet. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Still 0-0, Blue Jays, Baltimore, bottom of the eighth. U of A Golden Bears season opener over at foot. Calgary Dinos up 8-7 after the first quarter. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. The Oil Kings had a preseason game this afternoon in Red Deer. They lost 3-2 to Prince George. They will play Red Deer tomorrow night at 7. Canadian Dennis Shapovalov wins at the U.S. Open. He goes on to the round of 16. Thomas Vanek signed by the Vancouver Canucks. One year, $2 million. The Philadelphia Eagles release former Eskimos defensive back Aaron Grimes. But as Morley and I were talking about, uh, probably a long shot that he comes back to the Eskimos at least this this season. Kelly Talbot, uh, and you can follow her on Twitter at Kelly Train, and uh, Train is in the, the uh, vehicle, and she's doing some outstanding work to get things to Houston to help people. And we're talking about things like, like uh, formula, you know, diapers, um, you know, all that kind of necessities of, of life and, and daily life to, to help people affected by the hurricane. And uh, she was talking today. I had a whole bunch of extra formula from the twins. Um, so we had to switch. So I have like 10 unopened tins. So I was like, okay, you know, I'll donate it. And I was like, oh, I'll just send it myself. And then I checked around Edmonton to see if there was any places that had drop-off locations. And I couldn't find any. So I was like, this guy named Rocky gave me an idea. He's like, try to fill an 18-wheeler. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. So I was like, but that makes me think. Maybe I'll just see if anyone else would be willing to like have drop-off locations for us. So I like sent out a simple tweet and it like people were just like messaging me and like I want to be involved. I want to be a drop-off location. And I was just like overwhelmed. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like so many people helping down in Texas. So I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then so I was like, okay, drop-off locations. And like I kind of researched what was a need because like people always want to send clothes and stuff like that. But right now that's you know stuff that they can't really get to them and sort through. So I was like, well, obviously baby stuff is a need and like everyday 
you know, utensils, toothbrush, toothpaste, soap, shampoo, conditioner is all stuff we're needing and hand sanitizer. So I just kind of went through lists and like different um, routes and like saw like what people were posting. And I was like, okay, this is great. I'm not going to send it directly into Houston. It's going to be outside. So it can just be distributed um, properly and not right away. You know, they got to get everyone out of there first before they start sending stuff in. So that's Kelly Talbot. She's hoping to fill the uh, 18-wheeler by September 7th. Uh, our sister station, Kissin' FM, has a great list on its website. Um, I mean, we're looking for baby formula, diapers, wipes, baby blankets, hygiene products, baby food, shampoo, conditioner, soap, toothbrushes and toothpaste, hand sanitizer, chapstick, wet ones, feminine products, pain relievers, Ziploc bags, snack size bags, deodorant, band-aids, medical supplies. That's everything that, that Kelly is hoping to gather here and put in the 18-wheeler. Uh, the chorus location here, we got Ched iNews 880, Kissin' and Fresh, all in the same building. We're a drop-off location. No, we are, are going to be closed for the long weekend, but at 8.30 on Tuesday, you can start again. Some of the other locations, uh, you know, Have Mercy, Southern Table and Bar off White Ave, Body by Bennett, Oodle Noodle downtown, uh, Audi Edmonton North, and you can you can go on Kelly's location and get the whole list. The Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation in the reception area of Rogers Place on 104th Ave taking things as well so this is incredible what she's doing what i look at is if i can help one person or one family i'm happy like i mean i look at all the people there and it's just like they need everything like families are losing um like mothers and stuff like that and i think being a mom that's a huge thing and for me it's like they're not gonna have their family and they have no idea why so if i can help them feed them or give them diapers i'm a happy person that is Kelly Talbot. And again, you can uh, go to uh, kissinfm.com and uh, Kelly on Twitter is at Kelly Train or just look up uh, Kelly Talbot Twitter and uh, you will find her. Great stuff there. The Tour of Alberta underway in Jasper today. American Evan Huffman, the winner of Stage 1. Evan, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Good. Thanks. Yeah, congratulations on taking the opening stage today in the Tour of Alberta. Give us a sense of how it was. There was a lot of speculation about going through the park and uh, doing the mountain climb at the end. How did how did it feel? Uh, it was cool. It was a really fun route. I uh, did the same thing two years ago at this race um, and ended up in a breakaway. Uh, I think it was around 15 riders. I'm not sure. had my teammate Steph Kuss there and we try to just, you know, keep it keep it rolling, not do too much work, and then uh, the final climb just uh, tried to win. It just raced our bikes pretty hard and ended up uh, going one two, so it couldn't have gone too much better for us. All right, tell people how that works. How the the breakaway pack works is is that kind of teams will kind of try to go in a chunk and see who wants to stay with them. Uh, let let people know about the intricacies of of how that happens and the strategy involved. Uh, yeah, the start of the race, uh, everyone's together, and then usually guys will attack. It's basically, just sprint or accelerate really hard to try to get ahead and. And uh, usually a lot of guys will want to wait and save their energy for the end. But, you know, sometimes if you have the right riders ahead in the breakaway, uh, you won't get caught till the end. And that was what happened today. Okay. Well, I mean, during the, that final, uh, the, the 10K climb, 
is it i mean tell people how steep it was how taxing that might have been or you know compared to other climbs that you might have to do in other tours what what uh, what are some of the challenges here in, in alberta um yeah actually it's not a super steep climb compared to a lot of other stuff that we do you know for example like tour utah uh or my teammate robert one was those climbs are a bit too steep for me a little bit of a bigger guy um but it's pretty long and hard and especially at the end of a long day like that uh, 162 kilometers it feels longer than it is and if you know you're still suffering a lot going uphill okay you're obviously right back at it tomorrow for the stage in and around spruce grove what do you do for recovery yep. diet and rest tonight um, yeah, right after the race, got in a recovery shake, try to get the calories back in and the fluid quickly as possible. And then, yeah, kind of just keep eating as much as I can. You know, burned a lot of calories out there today and well tomorrow. And then we'll have a massage from our team staff and try to get plenty of sleep. And that's about it. Right on. Evan, I, I know uh, you're busy going through all that right now, so thank you so much for joining us on Inside Sports and all the best the rest of the Tour of Alberta. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you. That is Evan Huffman wins the Stage 1 of the Alberta, uh, the Tour of Alberta today out in Jasper. Canadian Jack Burke finished 5th. Matteo Dalson, who we had on the show earlier, young Canadian road race champion, finished 11th. In and around Spruce Grove tomorrow, stages 3 and 4, both in Edmonton. Sunday and Monday, it'll finish at Churchill Square, probably around 5 o'clock on Monday afternoon. So you're welcome to go check that out if you're interested in that big cycling race. We'll keep you updated on 630 Ched, 630Ched.com. And don't forget our friends at Global Television. Go to their website. They're live streaming the race if at any point you would like to watch it. Okay, it's been a fun week here on Inside Sports. The Golden Bears football team now down 11-7 to the U of A. They're in the third quarter, or pardon me, in the second quarter at Foot Field. There we go. It takes a lot to replace The Littlest Hobo as the last song of the week. But because we had Gene Simmons on the show, we have a little Beth. Still no score. Blue Jays in Baltimore, they are in the top of the ninth. Don't forget Huskies and Wildcats, 1 o'clock Clark Clark Park on Sunday. Eskimos Stampeders, 11.30 Monday morning, countdown to kickoff. Play-by-play at 1 here on 6.30, Chet. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8 on holiday Monday. We'll break down the Eskimos game regardless of what happens. Jack Michaels scheduled to join us. Perry Pern, former NHL assistant coach, former Nate coach. We'll also have Jim Van Horn, former TSN anchor, on the show as well. That'll be fun. Thanks to our studio producer, Kellen Kennedy. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. Thanks to tonight's guests, J.R. LaRose, Darcy Park, Morley Scott, Randy Spencer, and Gene Simmons. You miss anything, 630Ched.com. My name is Reed Wilkins. Have a great weekend. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.